0: You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. It is the Oz Network, coming to you once again for a Breaking Bad recap. We are into episode three of season one, nearly halfway already through the first season. Can you believe it? Uh, we are into the third episode, and the Bags in the River. This first aired on February the 10th, 2008. Directed by Adam Bernstein and written by the show's creator, Mr. Vince Gilligan. And uh, a very interesting episode, this one, uh, as most of the episodes are in this season, as most of the episodes are in this show. Uh, It's going to be a rarity that we ever kind of come to a complete schmozzle of a uh, garbage episode. But uh, plenty to talk about, as always, and plenty to go through as we get through this episode my name is ben and there's nothing but chemistry here uh, and my name's Nick and this is degrading <laughs> you're not the first person to ever tell me that um and won't be the last probably either um this is this is a decent episode this is a good episode um I, I don't really know how to say I mean there's this kind of <laughs> it's it, there's a lot of dialogue there's some talking there's there's some gross stuff uh there's interesting stuff um i mean yeah three episodes in and again i don't think we're really seeing anything bad um except for breaking bad that's a very bad pun but uh yeah what's your your take on uh, and the bags in the river yeah I, yeah
1: i mean i think it's a really a really good episode and it kind of starts to get us into the meat of what the show's about um the thing I kind of like about this episode is it starts us down the real trail of of, um, of Walt becoming who he eventually becomes, right? Um, and I, I think one of the things that's really interesting to watch is obviously there's a, a big moment in this episode and how he reacts to that is very different from how he'll start to react doing similar type things later in the show. Um, I I think it's also um, an interesting episode because it starts to introduce a little bit of his backstory especially in this kind of cold open to the episode Um, we kind of don't find out who this person is until the next episode but you know you're starting to get a bit of depth to the characters as well Um, so I I think from that perspective it's a really good episode I think it starts to build some of the other characters out as well which is great so um, it's a tense episode there's lots going on um, but just starting to build this world up a little bit which is fantastic
0: I always forget that he kills someone so quickly. I always <laughs> think it's like a, a, a build-up to kind of this, you know, moment where he eventually does it. Uh, maybe I thought it was like maybe at the end of this season or something like that, but, I mean, we're three episodes in and this guy is basically just, you know, only recently found out he's got cancer, has cooked one batch of meth, and already he's murdering someone. So, um, I mean, again, it's kind of that, anti-hero you would argue that he's got a reason for doing it um you you know you could argue with that it's i guess it's the the dexter argument if you ever watch dexter you know that he's killing people but he's doing it for good reasons so um yeah it's it's kind of fascinating like as you said kind of the background of these characters but yeah three episodes in and he murders someone i I completely forgot it was this quick
1: yeah yeah you do kind of forget and I think it's a, it's the kind of moment where you realise shit this is real this show you know and I think um, I think we maybe talked a little bit in those first couple of episodes about really good but maybe doesn't hook everybody you know like um, takes a little bit to get into while that first episode is really really amazing um, you know like I think not everybody's going to be like hooked straight away, whereas like after this, I think it's it's pretty amazing, right? Like everybody's in after this, so yeah, yeah, yeah I think it's it, it is really cool. It kind of sets up what the show is really about. I think.
0: Particularly the opening scene when we just basically get let's wipe up a bunch of blood and guts, um, <laughs> which is always fun. Um, and a lot of the the fancy sort of camera work that this show is kind of known for these like really cool shots that they do. So they've kind of got this transparent floor almost the way you're watching them like clean up the the blood and guts. Very clever the way they sort of do it, and it sort of intersects, I guess, with this flashback where, as you said, sort of uh, Walt's chatting with. Uh, an unknown woman but uh, I know this woman I don't know how much of a Friends fan you are Nick but of course uh, this is uh, Susan Bunch from Friends uh, <laughs> so but uh, we will get to know who this character is uh, she's quite a significant character I think only in a few weeks too isn't it like uh, she's brought in pretty soon as a, you get to meet her I properly it- don't you?
1: I think it's actually next week, isn't it? Um, all the week after um, when they go to the party, um, I think that's kind of when you start to find find out who she is. Um, so, so yeah, I think it's um, it, it does happen reasonably quickly. Um, but yeah, at the moment, and I, I think what's quite interesting is that you maybe don't find out exactly kind of how these two are connected. It takes a little while to actually, I think, before you understand that this is kind of a you know an, an ex partner of of Waltz or whatever from his kind of days when he was kind of maybe you might want to say cool or <laughs> whatever you know like he actually was kind of a, a cool guy um and so that that's really interesting i think that you kind of get to see these these early scenes where he's like in his prime and before he's turned into kind of the sad sack that you kind of see him in, in, in breaking bad
0: which it I mean, it's even sort of the way they've got him with sort of full head of hair and like a yeah. goatee or something like. I mean, they he looks younger, he looks fresher. Like I don't know if that's just a bit of makeup, bit of you know something there, a bit of de aging. I don't know how much de aging was being used in two thousand and eight, but it, you, he legitimately does look happier and younger and just everything yeah. along those lines. So it's, it's yeah, I way think that.
1: It kind of brings me back to, um, I think, you know, I'm a really big Lord of the Rings fan, and I remember the scene of like when Ian Holm was playing Bilbo in that really early scene that, you know, before they had done The Hobbit, so he was playing that earlier scene, and they basically like pulled his face back with with kind of like um, clothes pegs more or less to kind of pull out the wrinkles in his face. So it's probably something quite simple like that, but they definitely have de-aged these two in some way. So, mm. you know, whatever trickery they did, they they definitely have done some of that for sure.
0: Not, not quite the, uh, the extent of, you know, a complete digital, you know, Carrie Fisher or something like that now. It's sort of, you know, like a bit of a fancier work back then, but... Oh, this sort of flashback, it's sort of, yeah, uh, Walton, this unknown woman, we'll call her Gretchen, it's Gretchen. Um, they're basically <laughs> going through the percentages of what makes up a human body, essentially, and it's kind of connected as you see Walt and Jesse wiping up a human body. So they talk about calcium and he picks up like a jawbone and they're talking about iron and he's picking up a gun. It's, it's really cool, it's really clever. Um, and it's sort of, you know, they get to what, like something like 99 point, whatever it is, percent, uh, that something's missing and we'll sort of come back to that at the end. But, um, I've got i I've got a question like, again, like this show, it's, it's great. But like, I mean, there was a very famous murder in Hobart, like years and years and years ago, a guy killed his wife, chopped her up and flushed her down the toilet. And they basically found him because they traced like the blood and stuff from the pipes to the toilet, of where he did this. Now, Albuquerque, I think, is a bit of a bigger city than Hobart, but, like, they're flushing down some chunky parts of a human body here. This is going to be showing up at a sewerage plant. Like, I mean, again, we we don't want Walt to get caught in the first episode, and I guess then Jesse probably gets into trouble because it's his house, but I don't know, like, again, you know, suspend a bit of disbelief with this, but if you're flushing down a bit of a chunky old body down the toilet there, surely there's somebody going to see this at the local Albuquerque sewerage plant.
1: Yeah, I think it's um it's quite an interesting thing to think about really. Um because n- normally I would agree with you about, you know, suspending disbelief and all that kind of stuff, but um yeah, I think the show kind of prides itself a little bit on realism around some of these scenes, so I think we've got to kind of keep that in mind. Um yeah, I mean it is it is an interesting one, but I think yeah, it, I think you don't want to get too bogged down on that stuff because I think it can really take away from it. And this is one of those ones where um, I, I think we actually talked about it in one of the first two recaps we did, which was around um, the uh, Mythbusters episode that they did um, around, you know, could you actually dissolve a human body um, in this hydrochloric acid and, and what would actually happen? And, um, you know, since we last talked about that, I have actually tracked that down. I found it on YouTube, I think, and, um, and basically they said, you know, they chucked a pig into this kind of stuff and they said, no, nah, there's no way you could do it. Like it would burn off some of it, but you now most of the body would still exist. And so, um, yeah, I think, you know, while, while this is really cool, I think it's definitely not hugely realistic and um, yeah, I, but I think probably does speak to a bit of a bigger point that is we, we all know that, um, you know, that Waltz maybe. Well, he is. He's kind of amateur at the moment. And so, you know, like he is probably making mistakes that, you know, maybe later on we're not going to see as much of this, or he's better at covering his tracks and things like that. So I think while we, you're right, we don't want him to get caught at this point. I think probably the bigger point is that he's doing things that could lead to him getting caught at the moment.
0: And I guess, I mean, it all, yeah, suspension of disbelief. Like, apparently Dexter's the flavour of the month now bringing it up again. But, like, I mean, you know, I'm sure with the <laughs> amount of people that Dexter kills, like, they're not going to, you know, I, I realise they sort of discover the bodies and all. It's been a while since I've watched it. But, I mean, you know, there, there's no way that surely somebody doesn't catch on to that sort of stuff after a while. But who knows? There are maybe serial killers out there that have never been caught and are just so good at it. So, um, hello to all our serial killer listeners today. Um, <laughs> just... I hope you enjoy the show. Uh, Can we enjoy <laughs> we enjoy your work? Just don't take it out on us. Um, so I wonder, what that, I
1: wonder what our crossover is of serial killers and um, and <laughs> Oz Network listeners.
0: Well, I mean, didn't we used to talk about that back in our Nip Tuck days, of like our doctor listeners? Um, so you know, we got a lot of feedback from our doctor listeners. So you know. Um, We have now Skylar and Marie and Walt Jr. painting a room. Walt Jr. says yo and uh, Skylar doesn't like it. And Skylar's basically trying to get some uh, information here from Marie about smoking pot, claiming it's for a a story. And then automatically Marie's like, Walt Jr.'s on pot. Um, So it's kind of a fun... I do like how though Skylar's like, oh, I remember when I did it. So like... Is she just implying that Marie did it a lot more than she did? Like is, <laughs> is Marie just a stoner back in the day? Um, is this what we're we're seeing? I, I like it when we go back to Jesse's place and we've sort of got um, Jesse and Walt hosing each other off in little kiddie pools. It's kind of a, a nice little scene. Uh, Jesse decides to get high on the meth and we're down in the basement where Walt's cleaning out uh, crazy eight's poop, which is always a good scene. Um, Seem like a pretty big load by the amount of uh poop that's going down in that uh that toilet. And I do love the fact that he just sprays it with some like I don't know, is that like Glen 20 or something like that? He doesn't rinse it out. Like, you know. Um and basically, yeah, Crazy Eight essentially, uh tells him he's, he knows his name he knows his background jesse's been uh i guess uh blabbing his mouth so we get this fight basically between jesse and walt uh, which is kind of a funny fight like he's like whoa i'm pinching a loaf in here leave me alone <laughs> and then just basically walt's like trying to kick his shins and it's just like it's a really this is how i fight i'm just going to be honest <sighs> Um, serial killer if you come after me this is the best I'm going to do is I'm going to try and like kick your shins or something like that so it is um, one of
1: those things of like um, one of the things you kind of often forget about this show is that um, the the comedies I mean you don't forget but you know like I think that um, the way people think about it now they, they think about Breaking Bad being this really serious show but one of the things I absolutely love about it is that it mixes in the comedy so well you know mm. there's just these kind of little comedy moments and, and you know you kind of go back to the fact that Bryan Cranston you know at, at this point anyway was, was certainly a um You know, he was a a comedic um, actor, that's what he was, and it kind of comes through so much. And, you know, Vince Gilligan talks a lot about he deliberately picked people that he knew could do comedy because he figured if they could do comedy, they could probably do the serious stuff as well. Um, But I think it really just keeps the show kind of... I think it would just be really heavy if there wasn't these kind of comedic moments. And, um, I think about kind of other shows that are kind of in the same vein that were kind of like big massive shows at the time, like maybe kind of like walking dead and game of Thrones, they kind of don't have the same comedy element to them. That kind of gives that kind of sense of, of lightness. So, um, Mm. I actually, yeah, I do, I do really like that they've kind of done, done this, you know?
0: I agree. And I think, um, Yeah, like there's some very funny moments of Breaking Bad that I'm sure we could both think of right now that kind of... Yeah, and it's not over-the-top playful ass. I mean, even this bit when they sort of come out to the car here, like they're having this really pathetic fight. And I I just fucking love Jesse here when he's going on about, you know, we decided our jobs and the coin flip is sacred. Like, he's just basically, like, living on this notion that, like, you can never break a coin flip. And then what does he say at one point? Like, Heil Hitler, bitch, or something like that. And the way he's just, like, like... It goes back to your point saying about how, like, he's sort of making mistakes. I mean, these two are so inept at this. Like, it's just, you know, they've gotten themselves so deep into this situation and... You know, like literally, you've got this suburban dad teacher who has been forced now to have to murder someone. We're about to see him sitting on the toilet writing a pros and cons list to kill someone. And then you've got Jesse basically just so, like, fucked up and just whatever that he's just going to go smoke some meth in the toilet and drive off. So, yeah, they're both so inept at what they're doing. But it's not, like, it's not meant to be super hilarious, but it is kind of hilarious because, again, these two are so inept at something that, you know, we're watching. Well, you know, what are they doing? How are they getting themselves into this situation?
1: Mm, yeah and I think it's one of those things too of um, you know I think we talked in the first couple of episodes that like I I love the Walt character I'm not as sold on the Jesse character and I'm looking forward to as we kind of go past you know the rest of this um, you know the the series is do I kind of actually find things I like about Jesse that maybe I didn't see on on previous watchings of this but um, I think having that kind of Jesse character who is kind of the complete opposite of Walt in most ways I think is just it's obviously that kind of odd couple stuff that makes this work really really well, I think it would have been, you know, they, they just got the elements right of these two characters who kind of bounce off each other in, in kind of fun ways, I think, and um, just set us up really, really well, I think.
0: And I definitely, I think I said in the first few episodes as well that you know I, I've always been a Jesse fan, and um, you know I've always appreciated his character, and um, I, I guess weirdly maybe relate to him in some way, just some of the stuff he goes through. I don't know, it's kind of it's a thing, but I also think it just comes down to the fact that Aaron Paul is just so awesome, and that how can you yeah. not like Aaron Paul? So.
1: Um, oh yeah, yeah, and I mean, yeah, yeah. like I, I think I think for me is that. Um, uh, uh, in the initial few episodes of this is that my personal view is that I just, I, I love watching Brian Cranston and I love mm. watching that Walt character turn into what he does um, and I think anything that becomes a bit of an obstacle for him in these first probably two seasons or so um, just feels like a distraction to me and I think we're probably going to, as we go further along in the series we're going to talk about Skylar's role in that and kind of the, the, the kind of public kind of um, audience sort of reaction to, up. yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so I think that will come up kind of later on but at the moment it kind of feels like Jesse's a little bit of a um an obstacle to to Walt maybe doing what he wants to do and so that he kind of annoys me in some ways but it's absolutely nothing to do with the acting you're you're totally right Aaron Paul's a a phenomenal actor like basically everyone on the show
0: you know what's really fascinating is that without ruining the illusion of time on this podcast and I guess sort of in the, the time frame it's taken us to record the second and third episode I um through that time actually managed to watch a couple of episodes of Malcolm in the Middle and it's been a long time since I've watched... I, I don't think I'd seen any Malcolm in the Middle since I've watched Breaking Bad. So, again, it kind of goes back to that point of seeing Bryan Cranston in that comedic role. Um, but, again, it's just it's just so believable. Like, I mean, I remember when I first heard about the show and, as I think I said in the very first episode, it took me a while to watch it, and a lot of that, I think, came down to the fact that like, I don't know how I could handle Bryan Cranston in such a serious role. Um, and But, like, again, he just does it so damn well. So, um, yeah, I don't know when the last time you watched Malcolm in the Middle was, but uh, it's, it's a bit interesting, but, uh, you know, it's it still... Holds Holds up quite well
1: um i mean i was never a massive malcolm in the middle fan but obviously had seen enough episodes because i'm a living breathing human being um you know like everybody's (laughs) kind of seen that you know um so um it's kind of one of those ubiquitous shows that you kind of can't miss um so while i wasn't a massive fan i'm 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 pretty um you know i understand the kind of character that that he was playing in that show and you know, you you see shadows of it here, but it's certainly a very different character in Breaking Bad, of course.
0: Now um, we get a random scene of Marie in a shoe store, uh, basically calling up Hank to tell um, him about uh, Walt Jr. I do I do love Hank on the phone. He like yelling at, these purse Get down, get <laughs> out, get out. He's like Hank, um, and I do like it. Sort of, you know, she basically gets him to talk to to Walt Jr. And then I love it at the end when he's like, "Where's my sugar?" Oh um, man, just oh Hank is brilliant. I mean, we talk about annoying characters like I don't think I've ever been a fan of Marie. Like I don't know why. I, I, maybe Marie does get the hate that Skylar gets. I don't know, but Marie's kind of a pain in the butt a lot of the times. Um, I mean, this is the start of her kleptomaniac storyline, which doesn't really go anywhere does it like I feel yeah, like well, it...
1: I th- I, that's the kind of point I wanted to make is that I think for a show that's really tight and and everything's um you kind of so well done um you know I think the, the Marie I, I really feel like in, especially in these first couple of seasons that um you know the the producers of the show weren't quite sure what to do with Marie um mm. and so you kind of just like she kind of fits in here and there and and you know wears purple and you know like <laughs> I, I don't think you ever really kind of get why like Marie's on the show for a reason because she's a bit of a foil to Skylar later on and and all that kind of stuff but I think her storylines always feel like you've got to give her something to keep her relevant to the show but you're Mm -hmm. totally right it kind of just goes nowhere so I think this is and I think in this first season as well I think we've got to remember like we've got knowledge of where the show goes so we know what happens with Marie and um, this is something I'll I'll definitely be bringing up in in episode four as well about you know started storylines that maybe got dropped as the show started to develop a little bit more and I think maybe they had plans for Marie to kind of have some kind of bigger storyline here, and it just never really kind of panned out the way they
0: wanted it to. Particularly with bitchy store attendant who basically is like, "You need to wear some comfies or something," and she's like, "I'm, yeah. I'm really clean," and then she just walks out with these shoes. So, because,
1: because, um, um, can like, sorry, I'm just having a bit of a mind blank. But Marie, what's her what's her occupation? Is she like, like? Um,
0: Is she nurse or something? Like? Yeah, because it's
1: something medical, and I wonder if there yeah. was going to be some kind of crossover there. Where they were thinking about what would be like, maybe stealing product from her or something. You know, like maybe that's maybe what they were thinking of doing with her character. Maybe. And it just kind of, it just never kind of happens, you know. So um, yeah, I think there was probably some thought on where they were going to take her, and and I think you've got to give produces a few mulligans in this first season because not everything's going to be so tightly wound up in that first season um and i think this is just one of them you don't quite get where marie's going but um i think she's that there because um, i think we talked in those first couple of episodes about is, was there a world where maybe um hank is, is Skyler's brother you know that like you could actually just yeah. remove marie from the storyline entirely and um like like I like having her there, even though I don't think from a narrative perspective, she's particularly useful. I think having, having Hank kind of one step removed is probably a a good thing. Um, And that you can make him slightly different from Skylar. And, and, you know, so I, so I think that that was a a good move, but um, yes, there are times where you kind of feel like what's the point of the storyline.
0: Well, next part we get a, I I like this scene, Uh, Hank and Walt Jr. at the, uh, the Crystal Palace. Uh, The Crossroads Hotel. Now, uh, (laughs) having lived in North America, I can proudly say these places exist. I have seen these in person. Um, So uh, they're quite sketchy looking. But um, I I love this, like, Hank basically going through this thing, like, you know, basically accusing him of taking meth and gateway drug. And then we meet, uh, what's this prostitute's name? Because she sort of makes a few appearances, doesn't she?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. She definitely has a name. Um, Wendy. Wendy. Wendy, yes, yes, of Can course. Have a Wendy yep. Wendy
0: or whatever he says? <laughs> yeah, so, that's um, right. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Basically, you know, this is just Hank showing Walt Jr. The way he's, Walt Jr. is loving it. He's laughing. He's, you know, thinks it's funny and all this kind of stuff. Um, Hank basically just makes fun of Wendy. Uh, what did he say? Like, what have you been smoking except for some sausage? And he does his, like, laugh. He's, <laughs> like, the, the Hank laugh is fantastic. yeah. Um, <laughs> And then essentially, uh, Wendy goes back up to the room, and we see that uh, Jesse has run away from the fight with Walt, and is basically having sex with Wendy. So, um, I like the kind of like really, I
1: like the really nonchalant way of like she comes back in the room and like just like takes her pants down, yeah. like, and then kind of like <laughs> goes slightly out of focus. That's quite weird. Um, Hank's a funny character, I think. Like you know, like well, we don't like to um, date these too much, but you know, we're doing this in 2021, and um, I think Hank would have been cancelled if he was alive in 2021, you know, like some of his comments and um not so much in this, but you know, like some of the comments he makes to, to Gomi about his, you know, like his um, Hispanic friends and stuff like that. Like, I just think they would maybe wouldn't get away with these jokes, you know, if they were doing them now. Um But I love it. It's so good. It's so right for the character. It's just perfect for that character.
0: As, as much as like, I, I think we probably did talk about this in the first few episodes. Again, it's been a while apparently people, but like, I think like, yeah, you're right. You probably wouldn't get away with it. But I also do think that, you kind of still do need characters like this because you, no matter well, how it's much, real Yeah, it's exactly. real, like, No matter yeah. how much you politically correct the world, there are still people like this. So yeah. and like you can't take that realism out of it. You're right. Like um you know, it, it is real. Um so uh yeah, but like no I yeah, I think it it is interesting to kind of watch and I think um yeah, we get a, a few sort of lines at the end of this episode like that. Um, Walt sitting on the toilet writing a, a, a pros and cons list of murdering. Uh, crazy eight. I love he's like, let him live. You know, it's the right thing to do. Uh, you know, you won't be able to live with yourself. Post-mortem sentence, murder is wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Followed by the con list of he will kill you and all of your family.
1: <laughs> and I think it's that this is the, like, the, the crux of like the moral dilemma that, that Walt's in. Like he's put himself in a situation that is a no-win situation. that He, he doesn't really have an option. He's going to have to do this. Um, but he's having to talk himself around and, like, you know, without without spoiling too much, you know, obviously we're seeing the metamorphosis of this guy um, over the course of, of five seasons, five and a half seasons, six seasons, whatever you, you deem those last couple of seasons to be. Um, and... Um, you know like at this time this is a really hard decision for him but obviously as he gets more and more into this world it's going to become an easier decision and like this is just so critical to to um, not maybe not sympathizing but to understand the Walt character is to see what a struggle this this first kill is for him
0: yeah yeah for sure uh, we then get him calling up Skylar basically to say that he's uh, <laughs> running late and he won't be back from the car wash and then Skylar basically calls him out for his bullshit called Bogdan a few weeks ago. knows he's being fired and she's basically like, why don't you just stay wherever you're staying tonight? Now, th- again, I, I mentioned it's the first few episodes. Like, you're sort of talking about being a foil to Walt and like, again, Skylar's going to do some pretty shit stuff which I won't agree with in the future. But like, she has every right to be right to how, how yeah. she is like absolutely yeah. every right her husband is lying to her and basically is like oh i'm still at work and like completely has lied to her so in what normal relationship will this not happen so i don't like if, if this is i don't know if this is things that people complain about sky oh she's so naggy just letting like again logical i think she's got every right to be what she's acting like right right now <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and uh, I think as well, this starts to, you know, one of one of Walt's kind of skills that he hones through the show is not just about the making of meth, but lying. He becomes a much more accomplished liar as the show goes along. Um, and right now you're kind of seeing his, his kind of, he's, He's not good at lying um, and, you know, he's he's kind of not able to really do it with, with ease at the moment, but he's going to get better at that. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I think I think any reasonable viewer at the moment would, um, you know, w- would feel for Skyler because she's sitting at home, she's pregnant and she doesn't know where her husband is. And at the moment, you know, he, she also doesn't know what's going on with him, so she just doesn't. You know, like she just doesn't know anything, so of course she's going to have concerns. So, yeah, and I I totally agree. I think we're going to get into more of Skylar as a character in later seasons, but at the moment, yeah, there's there's lots going on here that I think you can sympathise with her about.
0: Which one thing that I really love, I love the ending of this episode and how it's sort of uh, the cliffhanger, because it leaves it on a layer where you don't know what Walt's about to tell her, Um, and this all borders into the fact that. We know he's got cancer. We know it's inoperable, but we also know he's kind of committing some crimes. So kind of like it's it's very cleverly done, and even rewatching this, and again I'm jumping ahead here, but like I remember rewatching this, going like, oh, like he, he doesn't, cause like he doesn't admit to her straight away what he's done because like also I think the cancer thing like has sort of not been forgotten about because obviously Walt's about to tell crazy 8 he's the first person he tells but it's just very cleverly done and I think kind of the way they're kind of keeping this open ended with Skyler at the moment is is very it's done so well um and like you're right like he he does become so much better at lying obviously as he goes on um but uh yeah like going back to your point you made at the very beginning of this episode like what Walt's such an amateur right at this right at this point I mean it is it's fascinating what we're about to get now this whole sequence now with crazy 8 because as I said, like, I forgot that he killed someone so quickly in this show. And, like, th- this this whole sequence here is just incredible um, because it, it kind of, like, I, I want to say right now I want to nominate probably the death as a top five, but you could almost put the whole next, like, mm. ten minutes into this because, yeah. basically, Walt, Walt makes Crazy Ada Sandwich, goes to sort of all this. And, like, this is one thing, too, which I the few people I've heard complain about Breaking Bad... They often talk about how, like, you know, like I think you mentioned something a bit slow. Like, do we really need to see like a three-minute scene of him making a sandwich and chopping things off and walking slowly? But like, that adds to the atmosphere. That adds to the realism. That makes you sort of, it's more tense and leading up to this moment because, yeah, it's a bit long him making a sandwich and then coughing and walking down the stairs and collapsing. But it's just, it's real. Like, it just feels like you're there. Um, So he literally collapses, knocks himself out, breaks the plate, which is obviously an important little moment, wakes up. Um, goes and makes another sandwich Crazy 8 admits that he's got lung cancer which until he points it out that you're the first person I've told like I think as a viewer we've forgotten that haven't we mm, yeah, you know I, th- yeah. th- I think that's kind of a key moment um, and we kind of just get this nice scene like what is this like a 5-10 minute scene of just sort of Walt getting to know Crazy 8 and almost basically making it so that he doesn't have to kill him and it's so well acted between these two like it's just so natural like Walt finding out that he worked in this furniture sp- store. Excuse me, I'm choking. This is very professional. Um, that's why we've been away for a few, you know, <laughs> recording breaks because I'm getting less professional. Um, basically, yeah, learning about him and his furniture store and his music degree and just kind of humanizing this. And I, even the way Crazy Eight's kind of like, this isn't going to make it easy, you know, if you get to know me and things like that, sharing a beer and all that sort of stuff. Um, and basically, this whole conversation leads to Walt believing him that like, okay, you're a normal kid. You're not going to kill me. You know, this is great. I'm going to go upstairs and get the key. Yeah. I believe Crazy Eight here. Like, I I believe him. Like, yeah, okay. Like, bloody oath. Damn. Okay. Mm. And then it kind of sets off this amazing sequence where Walt puts uh, some rubbish in the, in the bin. He sees the broken plate and it kind of clicks. He's like, hmm, maybe I should check this plate to make sure that all the pieces are there to which he puts it together, realizes that there's a massive giant chunk missing, which of course then knows that uh, basically Crazy 8 has got a piece that he's going to kill him. And then, yeah, like I think we, you got you probably can't put the whole scene in, but this is the scene you would nominate for the top five. It's the, it's the kill. It's Walt's first kill. He basically just comes out. The way Brian Cranston acts this is just incredible, just how emotional he is and kind of, you know, even, even this guy who plays Crazy 8, uh, I need to find his name because even the way he plays this is absolutely fantastic. Uh, And basically, it all leads to Walt saying, oh, so when are you going to stab me, basically? And we just get this tense scene of Crazy Eight sort of hunting behind him, stabbing, eventually stabbing Walt in his leg a few times. And then Crazy Eight dies. Walt's in tears. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Again, so realistic. Like, I mean, look, not that I've ever been witness to a murder before. But, like, I mean, think about it. If we had to murder someone, I don't think any normal human being is just going to do it and be like, cool, that was easy. Like you would probably react like this. Um, just so tense, so amazing. So everything, I mean, just everything here, Nick is brilliant. The the conversation right through to, to the death. Uh, I mean, you can't speak volumes enough of how amazing this whole sequence is.
1: Yeah. I think, um, there's a few points there I'll pick up on. And I think that whole thing about people saying it's too slow, that's actually not a criticism I've heard, but, um, I, I think for me, it, 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 you need that because it sells the fact that Walt wants to see something. He wants to believe that he can let this guy go and it will be all right. And so you kind of need to see him treating this person like a human, you know. And I, and I think that that's a, a critically important scene. So I think for people to say they need to get rid of that, like to me, I think um, him then coming to this realization that. You know, there's a piece missing from the from the plate. Doesn't work if you don't have the scenes of him wanting to believe um, that crazy at somebody he's not beforehand. Um, so I think it's it's absolutely important to have those scenes there. And I think you've got to remember where Walt is in this journey at the moment. Like he's, you know, he he is still a good guy who's gotten it over his head. That's kind of who he is at the moment. Um, and so I think you've absolutely got to to kind of you have to believe that, you know, if you don't believe that, then then everything that starts to follow it, it doesn't feel right. Um, I think that, that whole point about this being the first person that he's told, that's a really important point because we're obviously seeing the story through through Walt's perspective. Um, and so obviously we know and, and we've kind of gone on the journey with Walt, but obviously if you, start, if you were to tell the story from Skylar's perspective, for example, or even Jesse's perspective, um, they don't know that yet. So it's a really, really... Um, personal thing and the fact that he chooses this kind of criminal who he maybe doesn't trust as the first person he tells is, is really interesting. Obviously he's put in a situation where collapsing in front of him like that kind of, he has to, he has to tell something. So, um, so, yeah, so I, I think all of that's really good. I think that discussion between the two of them is great. Um, and, and, yeah, it just humanizes Crazy Eight because, yeah, that the, the killing scene does not work if you don't feel like this guy is a real person. Like, I think if he's just some kind of gangster thug, this just doesn't really feel as impactful as it is. Um, mm. Yeah, Brian Cranston's acting is phenomenal in this whole thing. It, it, it is just amazing. Um, and the fact that he's acting... He's, he's, he's acting an acting scene if you know what I mean like he's acting like he's going to release Crazy 8 and he's actually not so you know there's like a double layer of acting there which is really really impressive um, I think that's really really good and yeah I think the actual um, centrepiece of this all is obviously the, the killing scene and you're, you're absolutely right I mean we couldn't not make it one of our top um, top five scenes because it is just so good. Everything about it is so good. Um, the tension here is really, really good. So I think one of the things that we kind of need to remember as well is the kind of directing, the kind of music work. And this, like I made some notes around the kind of ticking clock sounds when he kind of discovers that piece of the plate that's missing. You know, I think that that's just really, really a, a, just incredible. And I, I like even the thing of like him getting stabbed by that piece piece of plate in his leg it's because he ends up having to put you know a bit more um kind of um, pressure and tension um onto it by putting his leg up you know like so the whole thing like it happens for a reason it's not just a a byproduct to kind of you know, like build tension, it's actually something that has to happen, and that kind of slowing down of crazy eight as he kind of has less and less oxygen in the system. Um, and I think just things like the makeup's really impressive. I think oh, kind yeah. of like the, yeah. the kind of bloodshot eyes and the kind of blood rushing into his face. I think, it, it, like, I would put this on on par with anything that kind of like from a shock value that you see on Game of Thrones, you know, in terms of like, you know, Game of Thrones might have somebody. You know, his head getting crushed or something and that's pretty gross but this feels like really really real um and so it just yeah it, it kind of just feels like you afterwards you're kind of like oh my god i can't believe that just happened um yeah. so so yeah i think um it, it is just so incredible and i think um i know we're going to go on and talk about the the rest of the episode but that it's followed so quickly and this would have been after an ad break I guess if it was on TV I don't know maybe not because it's on AMC anyway um, it, the the scene that follows it is this kind of like um, ideal suburbia scene you know where yeah. like you see these old ladies power walking and you know they're always like, in people, the episodes
0: people... who are these old ladies yeah and I th- <laughs> but
1: I think that that's a really important point that this kind of um, this horrible stuff is happening in kind of you know this this kind of beautiful suburbia where nobody actually realises what's happening in their backyard and I think just like the, the, the horrific nature of it is kind of intensified by the fact that everything that's happening around them is quote-unquote normal. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I just I, I can't speak highly enough of how good this is. It is just amazing. It sells you. And, um, I, you know, I think this is just... So, and, I, yeah, and, and the point that you made as well about Brian Cranston's acting in terms of being so upset about what he's done, again, so important. Um, and, you know, we're going to get scenes later on where... Um, something like this may happen and his reaction is very different you know um yeah and 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 so i think just it's so important that we're sold on how devastated he is by this so yeah
0: and i mean i mean think about the end of next week uh you know kind of like it's it's not a murder or anything but it's kind of like you start to get these levels there he's almost almost not giving a shit anymore like he's kind of just like fuck it i'm just gonna do it um and kind of you know that's going to be a lot later on in this show when it comes to situations like this but um it's it's weird when you i watch these initial episodes like it's kind of little things like we're going to get so used to Walt being bald you know what i mean <laughs> so it's kind of like right now he's got hair you know what I mean? Like little things like that that you're kind of appreciating right now. Um, yeah, and I think you know,
1: just and just to kind of make another point is that, um, like he deliberately, um, Brian Cranston obviously deliberately put on a little bit of weight at this time, yeah. so he's like he's looking like a slightly more kind of paunchy middle-aged man, and and he becomes this kind of more more slender kind of badass-looking guy as the show goes on that you know goes along with the hair loss as well. So yeah,
0: and it's it's interesting because I mean if you sit down right now and and type into YouTube iconic Breaking Bad moments, like everyone remembers the same I name and, you know, I'm the one who knocks and like epic scenes and we'll get to those. But like, I mean, this is such a iconic scene. Like I I don't know how often this, you know, because this is very important. This is, you know, this is an important scene to set him up to who he becomes. You can't have the Walter White character in the badass days without having this
1: yeah, well, uh, and to me, I think um, like even even bigger than this, I think if you were to say, what are the, the key big moments of Breaking Bad? I think actually the moment we talked about from the last episode would be much more kind of remembered, um, you know, of the the kind of body falling through the ceiling. Um, but to me, this is much more important and much more impactful in the long term um, for the show, you know, in terms of building Walt's character. So, um, that, and I think probably we're going to get that like when we start talking about moments we're probably going to be um, tossing up between I guess kind of gotcha moments that kind of make you jump or or make you you know have a kind of reaction whereas as opposed to ones that are that are really building characters or or things like that. and i'm that's probably um true of kind of any show really is that you know they'll have those shock value moments, but they'll have those ones that are and I think you know you and I have probably had similar discussions when we've done tuck as well of you know the oh, ones yeah. that are shock crazy cliffhanger um compared to those ones that build emotional stakes in these characters. so um yeah, I, for me, I think, you know, I'm, I know we're we're you know four or five episodes ahead of ourselves, but this to me feels like a more important and impactful moment than what we saw even last episode.
0: Max Arciniega, I'm probably butchering his last name. That's the guy who plays Crazy Eight. Uh, fantastic. Like it just, uh, I mean, he's in it for three episodes basically. And uh, you know, we often talk about at the end of every season, sort of you know guest stars that are memorable. Uh, I mean just for this episode alone, uh, you know, I think kind of, you know, he's, he's easily one of the uh, the more memorable ones with this one as well. And like, I think you said it at the very beginning of this episode, Nick, it's like, if if you're not sold on this show by this episode, then you stop watching. Like, I mean, and like this scene alone, like it'd been a while since I'd, I'd watched this, but like, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I, I've definitely heard the criticisms about it being slow and all that sort of stuff. And you, you sort of mentioned there about, let's say like the lack of music. And I think kind of, A lot of this is impactful because there's no soundtrack. You need that silence. You need that conversation. Sometimes shows go over the top with music. Um, You know, I'm for one of the massive criticism of Australian Survivor because they overdo the music. It's like something dramatic (laughs) happened. Like, we get it. You don't have to overemphasize the music in the background. Mm. Um, But, like, this is just Perfect. You know, I mean, well, I think
1: I think Vince Gilligan is really, really good um, at building tension, um, yeah. and and often he does it through. I wouldn't even call it music. It's almost like sound effects. Um, you know, like because to me, I it's almost like a you know like where he discovers that play. It's almost like a clock ticking. Like that's the sound it is, like or like mm-hmm. a bomb ticking or whatever. Um, and and so it's actually um, it, it's not even really music. And you know, I think. Um, he's really good at kind of just building those tense moments and knowing when to use a sound effect or a bit of music to kind of bring home a point and when to just let the sound drop out. Um, and yeah, I, I think, you know, this and, and Better Call Saul, you see that ability to just really just notch up the tension is, um, it's pretty cool.
0: And we mentioned with Better Call Soul, like sort of throwbacks. We've seen the Mesa Verde Credit Union. We're going to see it back next week. Even like next week, we're going to have a little throwback to this Topeka uh, fam, uh, the store. When you see the crib next week, I don't know if you paid attention to that, but um, little sort of connections that they kind of have. So there's a shop. And we'll get to it next week, right. where you see the crib, and you actually they like, sort of emphasize the logo on the crib. It says like Topeka, like store, and that's kind of Walt sort of looking at it as if they're like fuck, you know, right. Like, there's, there's my memory. I, I, even the closing, like you could end the episode on this. You could end the episode on this murder and you're going to be like, fuck, like tune in next week. Okay. How's it going to deal with it? But like, we've got maybe what, like eight minutes left of this episode and really like you would argue nothing happens, but like the stuff that nothing happens is amazing. I mean, I talked about the cliffhanger, but we've basically got Jesse returning home. As you said, kind of just suburban life, our favorite two little old ladies, power walking. Jesse kind of just walks in and everything's clean the rv's clean the basement's clean everything's you know fixed and cleaned and we i mean we never find out what walt did with the body but we're assuming he got the the correct buckets and did all the dissolving and all that kind of stuff um we've got the fact that walt's not at school there's a um substitute teacher carbon very important stuff we're gonna watch that (laughs) um is that i mean i'm guessing that was a thing in new zealand too substitute teacher let's just watch a video that roll in the thing the yeah like great day right
1: (laughs) no yeah yeah best day ever
0: you're like yes. Although I do remember one time in science, uh, our substitute teacher was our principal, uh, so oh. that was not a fun day. <laughs> but uh, and then we kind of got Hank and uh, Gomi out in the uh, where the cook site was. Uh, they find this trap car. You talk about sort of some of the things here that are probably not appropriate uh you know hank sort of dropping many references to latino culture and doesn't go me even turn around and say something like yeah rain man like uses calls him retarded or something like yeah, that which yeah you know um yeah but anyway uh but this is a trap car and this is basically the first time that the da are going to discover this like perfect mess uh so kind of is going to set us on a on a page here which one of the criticisms that I, I see that this show, like people make fun of the show is that how dumb is Hank and DEA that literally waltz under his nose the whole time. But like, I don't know. Like, yeah, you can maybe argue that, but at the same time, like I think they do a, a pretty good job of explaining how he gets away with it. Like, I mean, it's not like, I don't know. Like maybe that's something we can just talk about later when some of the things happen. But I mean, do you have any initial feelings on the fact that people criticize this show that the Hank's such a dumb DEA agent and he can never see that Walt was doing this?
1: I think that's the whole point, though, is that like it, Walt is such an unlikely, like he is so under the radar, if we're going to use a bit of a survivor term, like nobody's ever, you know, like it has to be like really put in his face before he realizes it. Um, and, and, you know, I think that's that's part of the joy of the show, really, is that mm. Walt's able to do these things and, you know, talk about building tension. We're going to get some cool, really cool moments and seasons coming up where we're, um, well, almost gets caught, you know, and, and you know, so it's, it's not like he's a million miles away. I always feel like Hank's on the case and he knows that this person's out there and but he doesn't know it's Walt and I don't think there's any particular reason why he, he would and I'm happy as we go through this to be called out if it feels like it's pretty obvious and he should have figured it out but I think the whole thing that you get even from that first episode is that, you know, Hank's this really kind of um, um, braggadocious guy and um, he you know, well, I think he's got a genuine um, um, love or care or whatever you want to call it for his brother-in-law. He certainly looks down on him and, you know, certainly he doesn't really, um, he would would never, ever really expect that Walt could do these kind of things. Um, So for me, I think it never really stretches on unbelievability to me. I think it's kind of, it feels pretty natural to me, to be honest. Yeah. And one of the uh, things I just wanted to say before we kind of move on from this, uh, um, I think is really cool is that you talked about, you know, there's like eight minutes or whatever it is post the kind of crazy eight death and, um, you know, seven of them or whatever it is are, um, well, it's completely missing, you know, and I think yeah. that's quite a, that's quite a, um, a, a cool thing to do because kind of what you're showing is that this massive things happen and then the kind of instigator of, of it all just disappears and we don't know where he's gone. And because, you know, the first time I kind of watched this through, it's like that little scene at the school where Walt's, quote-unquote, sick. I was like, this kind of doesn't feel like it belongs. But what it's doing is kind of building, again, that tension about, well, what's happened to Walt? Like, what did he do after he's done that? So, yeah. um, so so yeah, I think it's, um, it, it's really cool that you kind of don't know what's happened to Walt. And it kind of, um, it just makes it really, really um, kind of impactful when we get to that moment where he walks through the door at home
0: yeah, no, exactly. Uh, another scene here just with the, Hank and that, they discover a mask. We saw that mask, obviously, uh, you know, in, was it the last episode where the kids found yeah. it? Um, and and, and the other
1: thing yeah. too is that, um, sorry if I'm cutting into what Ewan might be about to say, is that Crazy 8 gets you know, we find out that he's been like an undercover snitch or whatever for, for the mm. police, right? And did we know that before? I, I apologise if that has come up before, but... Um, I
0: don't I, think so. Yeah, no. yeah. yeah so. And so there you
1: go. I mean, like, if you go back and think about, well, you know, if Walt had let this guy go, he would have run straight to Hank and then Hank would have known within, you know, three or four episodes. <laughs> so um, so actually, the the, the longer term of, of Walt being successful or turning into this new person kind of relied on him making this move he didn't know that he was never yeah. to know that he was actually going to get um get snitched out if he had let crazy out go but that you know like we're starting to the, one of the one of the big themes of the show i guess is consequences of your actions you know like every every action you make has a consequence um and so that's yeah that's one of the things that we're learning here so yeah i was just i, I couldn't remember that having come up anywhere else but um maybe no, i don't it think it I I just, either no yeah, yeah
0: no because i mean sort of they mention that Quite clearly at the beginning of the next episode too. So yeah. So, um. But as also, I think this comes back to like yeah, that sort of amateur thing that you were sort of mentioning that they're still making mistakes. Like, you could almost argue that right right now they're like they're saying things like oh clearly they're coming out here and cooking in an RV and we found this like you know and it's like oh okay well you know their perfect way of doing it is sort of getting caught out straight away. But um, mm-hmm. you mentioned sort of not knowing where Walt is. I, I love this shot of him parked sort of on an overpass. Um. Yeah, Just watching the highway and he's kind of going back to this flashback with uh, Gretchen that we don't know is Gretchen, but it's Gretchen. And yeah. uh, we sort of get this scene where basically, you know, what's the point such and such that's missing? And she's like, the soul. And he's all like, oh, there's definitely chemistry here. Like, oh, who's this former romantic lab partner of uh, Walt? And according to Breaking Bad Wiki, um, that chronologically this scene would take place somewhere between 1985 and 1989. Uh, right. So it's yep. the scene between... Yeah, later. Uh, yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, late, late 80s look, I think. I think that kind of fits. Um, yep, yeah, it, it feels kind of like Timothy Dalton era <laughs> Breaking Bad, doesn't it? Like it kind that of feels like they were right. going
0: for. Uh, everyone had the <laughs> Timothy Dalton hairstyle back in uh, that period. But then we get yeah, this sort of cliffhanger, which I love this closing. Like, again, Walt just sort of comes home, sort of, you know, solemn and knows he's in trouble. Skylar's just sitting on the bed. She's crying. And, and Walt basically just, uh, yeah, she turns around. And he just says, Skylar, there's something I need to tell you. And then boom, end. And again, like, it's just the ambiguous ending. We don't yeah. know. Like, we know he's done a few naughty things. And we know he's got cancer. So, like, what's he about to tell her? And you're like, hoo-hoo. So, um, yeah. yeah. I, I wish simple I could ending, remember, but a great ending.
1: Yeah, I wish I could remember what I thought was going to happen when I initially watched this first time. And I think, you know, um, I'm pretty sure we talked about it in the first episode about our history with the show. But I, you know, I binged the show. I, I caught up, you know, just as the last season was showing. So um, the the reality is, is that I probably found out about five minutes after he said it because I probably hmm. just clicked next episode. Um, yep. But it would have been like if I was watching this in real time, it would have been really interesting to think about what people were thinking about for a week in between these two episodes, like which of those two things he was, well, you know, did people even think that that's what he was going to tell them or if he was going to. Yeah, there's a multitude of things i guess he could have been about to tell her and so it would have been quite a fun guessing game i think in, in the moment
0: and I, I would be the same as you because like as i said you know i i watched this well after it had aired so like i kind of binged all 60 odd episodes in the space of a couple of months so yeah i probably found out straight away too but um yeah, it'd be interesting if we've got any sort of day one viewers and they can remember anything along those lines because yeah it would be very interesting to sort of go on that um Yeah, so that's the end of the episode. I mean, I guess before we get to sort of our ending things here, just uh, looking through the trivia, apparently. So the version I have, at least, I got the swearing. I don't know if you did or not, but in the uncensored sort of like the DVD versions and that, like... Jesse's got that moment in the car when he's telling to Walt, he says, like, fucking do it already about uh, killing Crazy 8. And then Crazy 8 tells Walt uh, when he's talking about when he quit the job, he said, up until the day I said, fuck you and quit. So I I think we sort of briefly touched on this in the first episode that obviously we got boobs and a lot of F-bombs, at least in the pilot, because they were trying to sell this to HBO. The only ever time you see any nudities in the first episode and the F-bombs, yeah, they disappear, I feel. Like, again, maybe it's just the DVD releases. I've always had them. I don't know. But um. It's it's interesting because it's a show of this nature that is a you know a a cable show because you're so used to HBO and things like that. I mean, Mm. we talked a lot about it in Nip Tuck. That kind of it's a graphic show without being graphic. They didn't drop the F bomb in Nip Tuck. They didn't show nudity in Nip Tuck, but you still saw enough that you know kind of it, it was not left to the imagination. So this is kind of a similar thing, but I I would almost say that Nip Tuck is a much more graphic and confronting show in a lot of the things it does versus what they do in breaking bad which does it more subtly but it still has the same impact so
1: yeah 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 I, I i think um there's a very very infamous um f-bomb that gets censored in like the third to last episode i think um and i won't go into any more details until we get there but um i remember when i watched that lot li- quote unquote live um that it was um censored um, and then you know, watching it years later on the on the DVD, Blu-ray, whatever, is that it's uncensored, and that I remember it kind of sticking out because it was so unusual for them to have an f-bomb, even a sensitive f-bomb. Um, I think it's kind of refreshing, you know, like not to. Like I'm certainly no prude when it comes to swearing, but it's kind of nice not to not to have it kind of in your face all the time. To be honest, so yeah, I'm yeah. Um, yeah, I don't miss it. I guess is what I'm saying. So um, yeah, yeah. Um I mean that's interesting.
0: Uh, yeah, I went over that other uh, the trivia from Walt and Gretchen I mean they got the scene of Walt washing Emilio's remains off Jesse's body is reminiscent of Vincent and Jules in the film Pulp Fiction okay and I think you went over this last week about Cats in the Bag and the Bags in the River sort of the two episodes here is a quote from the film Sweet Smell of Success mm-hmm. um, I don't know if you've got any interesting things from the official guide at all Nick or no uh... I've
1: actually I've actually forgotten to get my guide out tonight so oh, um, I'll, I'll have to keep you posted in, in weeks to come but um, you will. yeah yeah. I think, I, I think I didn't need to worry about it because of that uh, it was good for the the episode titles um, yeah I guess probably the one thing I'm keeping a track of is um, IMDB um scores um mm. so the first episode was a 9.1 second episode was an 8.7 and this is an 8.8 um so it feels like a kind of um a nice companion piece that you know the cats in the bag and the bags in the river at 8.7 and 8.8 so if you were to view them as kind of one extra long episode they're kind of the very same equality if you were going by the the score on imdb which i know not everything but I, I always find it quite interesting to to look at that all the same
0: well, when we rank them in just a second, I've got um, yeah, two websites here where I'll tell you where they put them on their overall rankings list. Right. You sort of will get to that. But, uh, I mean, I'm obviously buying this episode. I'm going to assume you're doing the same thing as well. Like, this is a pretty obvious buy, I would assume
1: yeah yeah i mean there's no way you could do anything but it's um it's a really really solid episode and i suppose if i'm going to rank them um but the, the, for me the big question is is it's better than the than the pilot um and oh i mean that's really really hard because i think the pilot is such a grabby episode it's so um impactful it's so so good but then this has got some really really great moments too um i think if i'm going to be really pushed i'm probably going to put it like just behind the pilot but it's really close so this would probably be two and um and episode two would be number three for me
0: you're doing exactly the same thing i'm doing yeah no i was thinking about that too um but yeah i think i mean in the grand scheme of things um like not saying you don't remember this episode in like three seasons time. Like you, you might not straight away remember it from the title, but then you tell you what happened. Oh yeah. Okay. I remember that episode, but I feel like straight away pilot is like, boom. Like I remember pilot. I'm straight there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. whereas this one, yeah. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm ranking. So I think we've got all ours ranked the same, uh, at the same time. But, uh, so according I'll say here, but according to vulture.com, they ranked every single episode of breaking bad. This came in at number 22, uh, so uh, not too bad there out of, uh, of course, 62 episodes. And then on the ringer.com they had this at number 10. So mm. they've got this as a top 10 episode. They've got Pilot above it, and uh, that is, yeah, the only season one episode above it. So uh, they've got this after all the episodes still uh, as a top 10 episode. So very interesting there. Don't know if yeah, right I think that's, that
1: that's quite interesting. I mean, I think it's... Um, it's kind of hard when you're right at the start of this to kind of um, piece it down into episodes because I think, like, this is one of those shows that feels like it gets just better and better as it goes along. That's kind of its reputation, but um, it's starting from a really high point. So, um, yeah, I think Pound for Pound... I think there'll be lots of episodes kind of in and around this area. So it might just be certain things. And I think we might get into, into conversations about this is a really good episode, but, you know, those little scenes about, um, you know, with, with Marie and things like that, that in retrospect, being a first ep- first season episode, it just has a couple of little moments that don't quite work because they were still trying to work out the format of the show. And so when things are, are, are kind of, you know, ironed out a bit more that, that it feels a little bit more fluid. But I think, I think kind of like the, um, um, what's the kind of word I'm looking for? Like, I guess the kind of graphic nature of this, of this episode does make it a bit of a standout for me. Um, mm-hmm. That it does just feel quite brutal and real. And um, yeah, like you said, I've never killed anybody either. So I don't know how, how real it, it actually is, but it certainly feels real.
0: Or well, you can tell us when you get the when you get to there one day. Just uh, <laughs> we'll add a little closing point on this episode. Uh next week, Cancer Man is the name of the uh, the episode. Uh, episode four. And it's it's an interesting episode as always. We're never gonna say this aren't an interesting episode. I mean I, I'll say it right now. I think it's you know, uh, can't really compare to the first three episodes, but, uh, you know, it's, it's still a good episode, uh, maybe not as high as the first three, but, uh, yeah, uh, initial thoughts on Cancer Man.
1: Yeah, I think it's probably that one that doesn't have the, the kind of massive kind of, um, oh my God, moments, but I think it's one of those kind of character building episodes. Um, and especially, I think you start to get the relationship between, um, you know, that, the main family unit, I think is, is really important. I think we also start to get a little bit more of um, kind of Jesse's crew. Um, and, and that's fun to kind of see those guys um, start to get a, a bit more kind of screen time. So there's definitely fun moments to be had. Like, as you say, there's not really a, a, a truly bad episode of the show um it probably isn't one of those episodes that jumps out at you like the first three maybe have but um still definitely some cool stuff to talk about
0: we get to meet a good friend of the Oz network next week for the very first time (laughs) uh skinny pete charlie baker is uh his first appearance next week so uh get excited for that uh in the meantime (laughs) you'll hear all what to do at the end of this episode like subscribe all that Join us on Patreon, all the fun stuff, and uh, yes, we will be back. And of course, remember, we've also got 24 that we're covering at the same time as well. Lost is happening eventually. We'll get there soon. I think we teased on that and Breaking Bad in the last few episodes, but obviously uh, it, it is coming back and all our other episodes as well will be there. So uh, stay tuned for all of that. Uh, until next week, my name is Ben, and I'm really clean.
1: And uh, I'm Nick, and get out now before it's too late.
0: Thanks for downloading this episode of the Oz Network. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider.